My name is Jim Fleming, and this is Our Sunday School. I'm coming to you from the Hickson campus of Stewart Heights Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And we'd love to have you come and visit us. But if you're not in the area, please go to OurSundaySchool.com to see all of the resources we saw in class. Good morning, everybody. Well, welcome to Our Sunday School. I'm glad you're here. We're in 2 Peter. Today's the second week of 2 Peter. So if you've got your Bibles, open up there. Uh, we're looking at verses 5 through 11 in today's text. Uh, and if you have a iPad or a computer with you, you may want to go to OurSundaySchool.com and you can follow along with the uh, teacher notes there if you like. You can go to the Read tab uh, and the second week information is here. So you can see all those notes. Um, I have several of you that go home and then study these afterward and then follow up with questions after class. So feel free to do that. Um, I usually post these Friday evening, Saturday morning-ish. So if you are interested in reading the lesson before you hear the lesson, uh, I have several folks that like to do that as well. So um, very, very rarely does it get posted on a Sunday morning. So we'll, we'll leave that scenario alone. But uh, uh, 1 Peter, uh, I'll read through uh, verses 1 through 11, and then we'll come back and we'll talk about verses 5 through 11. Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which we have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure, for if you do these things, you will never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So if you've been in our class before, uh, you know our uh, typical process is to read the text, uh, go through a process of explaining the text, applying the text, and then personalizing the text. So grab a handout and uh, we'll jump right in. So any literary or structural observations in today's text? Literary or structural observations in today's text. Well, like that they work off each other because it starts with one and then. This is building, right? It builds. And there's a crescendo. And the crescendo ends at love, right? Absolutely. Um, it reminds me a little bit of the, uh, the armor that a Christian puts on. It's add this and put this on and put this on and put this on. And then the, the love that wraps around uh, and uh, kind of completes the outfit. Uh, if, you, if you look at where we start in today's text, 
Um, so the, the first four verses, what we looked at last week, uh, basically the greeting, and Peter is walking us into this letter. Uh, but who's his primary audience in verses 5 through 11? Is this the believer or the unbeliever that's making the comparison? This is the believer, right? Uh, and which kind of gets me into the most repeated words uh, in Second Peter. The most repeated words in this particular text, that next section down the bottom of page 5 there on your handout, uh, is you, your, and yours. So seven times he says you and your and yours. This is over and over and over, very directly, very clearly communicating directly to believers. Um, and if you back up just a paragraph there in your handout, what are the most repeated words in Second Peter? The most repeated words are there, them, themselves, and they. So this other group. So 42 times he's talking about them, some, somebody else, somebody that's not you. So he's going to transition into that very soon, but right now he's talking to believers. So your two blanks there, uh, your two blanks are will, W-I-L-L, and then no. And Second Peter is, is not a wishy-washy book. It's not a, well, I think this is going to happen, and there's, there's good odds, right? Three to one odds that this is probably going to play out this way. It's, it's a whole lot of this will occur, and there's a, a knowledge and a knowing component to uh, Peter's language. All right, so open up your handout so you can see the two pages in the inside. And you may want to kind of like just have these where you can see both pages at the same time to spread out a little bit there. So we don't have a lot of verses today. Uh, so what I did is I included all of the definitions and all of the, uh, the details about the Greek verbs in your handout today. So you've literally got the exact same set of notes that I have. I just have a couple of blanks that uh, I'll ask you guys to fill in this morning. So let's go through these uh, words and look at the words mean. But also for this very reason giving. So this is to bearing alongside with all diligence or speed. So we, we want to uh, come along and understand very quickly what he wants us to add to your faith. So this word add is an imperative. It's aorist active imperative. It's your first blank. And it means to furnish or your next blank there is to fully supply. So I'm going to ask you a question that all of you have experienced. You've all moved at one point in your life, right? Does anybody enjoy the moving process? I hate moving. Like, I just detest it. It's just, it's almost as bad as, uh, no, no. Camping is significantly worse than moving. But, um, I, not camping, brother. <laughs> um, Clearly you've not moved the stuff up. Uh, that's, that's, well, I, you might be right. You might be surprised to know that I worked for a moving company for six months in college. Does anybody know the state that I worked in? What was the state? It was not Pennsylvania. We did some moves to Pennsylvania. I lived in New Jersey. We're getting transparent now, right? But I actually worked in a little town called Bear, Delaware, for Delaware Moving and Storage. And uh, there's really not a lot going on in Bear, Delaware. And uh, I was uh, two years into my career at Bob Jones University and got a job where the average employee 
uh, had completed somewhere around the fifth or sixth grade. And I was two years into a math degree, had just finished Calculus 3 and walked into this role. And it took them a couple of weeks to realize that I could read and write, which kind of surprised me. <laughs> I felt like that was obvious. Um, and uh, got to participate in a lot of different moves. Um, this is where my exposure to the drug culture in America uh, began, uh, because you need to keep a very close eye on professional movers. Just, just going to mention that. And uh, I got to see a lot of different types of homes, a lot of different types of apartments, a lot of different types of stuff that people value. Uh, my very first move was a lady on a second floor, and she had cats. And I don't, I don't mean like two. I mean, she had 14 cats. And we actually found number 15 during the move. Uh, there was so much garbage built up in her apartment, and she didn't want to part with any of it. She gave us rakes. I kid you not. We raked up all the stuff that was in. Yes, it's, it's, your face is exactly right, Lynn. That is exactly right. We raked it up into garbage bags. I don't have any idea how many garbage bags we had. Most of it, I felt, was just cat hair. But we, we, we moved it all. So... I worked that day with the guy that hired me. We finished the day, and I looked at him. And I said, no, I don't, I don't want to complain. I, I appreciate the job, but is this normal? <laughs> and he was like, Jim, I've never seen anything like that before. And I said, I'm just, I'm just going to clarify, which end of the bell curve are we on? Is this like the best you've ever seen, or is this the worst? I, I just want to be, because I don't feel like I asked enough questions before I said yes to this job. And, uh, <laughs> and he was like, what's the bell curve? <laughs> Never mind, it's okay, it's okay. Um, so when we talk about fully supplying and furnishing here with this word for add, I want you to think about uh, your faith that God has allowed us to have, our faith, being a space that we have freedom in which to build and to add and to furnish and to supply. Uh, and the things that we're going to furnish and flesh out and build out in our Christian walk are what he lists out in verses 5 through 7. And there is an order here, uh, and you can read a thousand commentaries and you'll get a thousand and one uh, perspectives on what the order is all about. But if you go back to verse uh, 1, when he greets these people, right? When he greets these churches, he said, Simon Peter, bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So Peter is assuming that his audience has faith, right? So this is the, the ticket into the community. And now that we've checked the faith box, we have faith, now what we're going to do is we have an imperative. We have a command to fully supply your faith. So here's what I want to I I make sure we understand this concept. When we repent and believe the gospel, we are not done. Like, like that has created a space for us to then begin to develop and fully flesh out our faith and what the gospel looks like in the life of a believer. So the repentance in the faith is like step one. 
It's really not step one. There's like 40 steps before that. But that's the first like justification occurs there. But then we have work to do. So let's look at what this looks like. So add to your faith virtue, which is excellence or praise. And add to your virtue knowledge. This is knowing. And add to your knowledge self-control. This is temperance. And add to your self-control, perseverance. And I, I just want to I just want to make sure that we understand what perseverance is not. Perseverance is not. I will get through this because your blank is cheerful. This is cheerful or hopeful endurance, which is this whole other view of endurance, right? I can promise you when we were raking the cat hair into the garbage bags, I did not have cheerful, hopeful endurance. Um, yeah, it might have been. Yeah, it might have been. It might have been. It was... I, I, I was talking to Josh right before class, and he was asking me, do you ever have that dream where you, like you're giving a presentation and you're naked? And I'm like, no, I don't, I don't remember my dreams. But if I, if I did, I feel like that would be the one that I would be revisiting over and over, and it would just be awful. So we have faith and virtue and knowledge and self-control and cheerful endurance. So how in the world can we be cheerful while we persevere? Well, I, I have found many times my emotional state is dependent upon what I am looking at. And if I am constantly looking down at my situation and where I am and about me and how sad I am and how bad things are for me, then like, perseverance becomes I grip my teeth and I'll just try to bear it. But when I am looking forward to what Jesus Christ has already promised, what we are looking to, and when I am looking backward to what he has done on the cross, there's a whole different perspective, right? So this is where this cheerfulness comes in that, you know what? This, that the sovereign hand of my God has us going through right now, is for our benefit and his glory. Okay. And he is wise and he is good. And he's got this. So we can actually be cheerful in this, which is amazing. So add to your perseverance, godliness, which is just kind of a New Testament word for piety or holiness. And add to your godliness. I'm sorry, that's your blank, holiness. You have a blank there for holiness. Is holiness already in there? Really? That's a shame because there should be a blank there. You can underline it and circle it or something there. It should be a blank. It's all right. And add to your godliness, brotherly kindness. Now, I'm looking for a Greek scholar who is a Greek scholar. So, Miss Jessica, I need you to tell me what the Greek word is here. You're going to get to impress your daughter, okay? What is the Greek word here for brotherly kindness? Philadelphia. And you even pronounced it correctly. Excellent. Excellent, right? So this is this brotherly love. This is, this is affection. This is, the, this is the reason you love people in this room that other than Jesus, you would have no earthly reason to love. Right? It, which is just, it's amazing. It's incredible. 
I love it. This is something, this is the work that God does in us to make us love each other because we need that. And then add to brotherly kindness, love, agape. And now we begin to get into the part where it's easy to misunderstand what verses 5 through 7 are really all about. And I love the, uh, the verb tenses here in the moods. So we'll talk a little bit about these. For if these things are yours. So this are is present active participle. And you guys remember when we have present participles, this means repeatedly. So this repeatedly is a, this is a habit. This is a lifestyle. This is the norm. This is what we are characterized by. For if these things are repeatedly, are habitually yours and abound, this word abound is actually a verb and it's also a present active participle. So this is repeatedly abound. should not be the word about. It should be abound. Two mistakes in the handout. Oh my goodness. That's tragic. There's no refunds today, by the way. Sorry. So if these things are repeatedly yours and you repeatedly abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful. And does that make sense? So if, if, if these things, so this list of things, if faith and virtue and knowledge and self-control and perseverance and godliness and brotherly kindness and love, if you are repeatedly abounding in these and these are repeatedly yours, does it make sense that we would not be barren or unfruitful? Well, yeah, right? I mean, that's, that's an amazingly uh, almost exhaustive list of all these wonderful things that we can then go and abound in. So if these things are repeatedly yours and repeatedly abound, and uh, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So it's not just barren and unfruitful in our works, it's barren and unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So... So let's make sure we understand something here. If we have faith and virtue and knowledge and self-control and perseverance and godliness and brotherly kindness and love, what is Peter saying that we will abound in? That we will have much of what? Knowledge of Jesus Christ. Which is interesting, right? Because you would almost think, well, if I learn about Jesus, then I will have all of... No, 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 no. Here's how we know Jesus through these things. Because Jesus was a man of faith. Jesus was a man of virtue. Jesus was a man of knowledge. Jesus was a man of self-control. Jesus was a man of perseverance. Jesus was a man of godliness. Jesus was a man of brotherly kindness. Jesus was a man of love. We can know him through these particular actions and activities in a way that we will not be able to know him otherwise. We can know about him, but this is the way that we can know him. Verse 9, for he who lacks, this is the, uh, Paul uses this word in Romans to say, God forbid. But so he who lacks these things is short-sighted. Now, if I say the word short-sighted, and then you look at that Greek word right there, M-Y-O-P-A-Z-O, what does that word look like? Myopia, right? right? This is this word short-sighted, right? And this is present active participle. This is another repeatedly short-sighted. So, Carrie, I 
purposely decided not to talk about furnishing Anna Grace's room. Didn't know I could get through that one, so thanks. So for he who lacks these things is short, is repeatedly short-sighted. Would you, would you agree that if a believer lacked faith and virtue and knowledge and self-control and perseverance and godliness and brotherly kindness and love, that there might be some short-sightedness there? Right? I mean, at, at that point, you begin to wonder, mm, is this a believer? Right? And then Peter goes on to say, even blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. All right, we, we actually are talking about believers here. Therefore, verse 10, brethren, I love it when you have these little words that just center us back on who the audience is. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent. Another imperative, Aristactive imperative. Be diligent to make your call or your invitation and election, your, your chosenness, sure. And this word sure means stable. Uh, and and one of the things I want to make sure I don't do this morning is that I don't give anybody a guilt trip, a human guilt trip, about having any doubts about your salvation. That is not my objective in any way, shape, or form this morning. But I will tell you the more stable you are in your firmness, in your diligence of making your call and your election sure, the easier it is to relate to verses 5 through 7, to know Jesus Christ, to not be short-sighted. So, so if this is something that you have struggled with or been challenged with, I would strongly encourage you to... Uh, talk to people, get in the word, make this sure, make this confident, so that, if we continue on with uh, the verse 10 here, for if you do these things, if you do as present active participle, repeatedly do, your next blank, if you repeatedly do these things, you will never stumble. Which makes sense, right? So if you are, if you are repeatedly making sure your call and election are sure, You'll be all right, right? Because this is not going to be something that's going to have to trip you up over and over and over again. Verse 11, For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So if you ever want to uh, rebut the idea of a work salvation, verse 11 is one of the best in the whole Bible. Because the blank after the word supplied there is passive. This is a passive tense, which means the subject is the recipient of the action. So, to you is supplied an entrance. This literally means you did not earn the entrance. The entrance was provided to you, which is exceedingly assuring. <laughs> Right? Because if I was somehow able to earn an entrance, then I could probably unearn the entrance, and this would be bad. And this word for supplied is the same word, and I've uh, your blanks here, the two little tiny blanks. The first one is five, the next one is eleven. It's the same word used back in verse five, where it says, but for also this very reason, giving all diligence to add to your faith. 
So we have a assignment to add to our faith. And on the back end of this paragraph, God's component of this is to supply us uh, entrance into the everlasting kingdom. Which is pretty great, right? Because we get the assignment to do something that we can actually do. And he gets the assignment to do something that only he can do. And I am so glad he did not give us the assignment to supply an entrance into the everlasting kingdom. Because I, I fall short, right? This is no way that I can be the righteousness of Jesus Christ. I have to have that applied to me. So abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now I want you to go back and I want you to look at verse 1. You may need to get your, uh, your physical Bible and do this. We're going to start at verse 1. And I want you to notice every time Jesus is mentioned, what's right before it. So verse 1, Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus, our Lord, as His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue, which have been given to us by exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. How many times did he say, my Lord and Savior? None. The only time he didn't put our before it was in verse 1, where he's literally just giving, he's identifying who the apostleship is that he's associated with. I got challenged with this this week. I was reading some things and uh, I got challenged to, to look at how many times Peter and Paul talk about Jesus as ours and not as mine. And this changes the way you read Second Peter because it's not about me or you as an individual. It's about us. So let's look at the application and the personalization. So one of the things that I was taught when I was very, very little was to love checklists. <clears throat> and this is something that my uh, children hate, uh, but I love checklists. And I want to make sure that we don't look at verses, one through, uh, verses 5 through 7 as a checklist. So application number one, the gospel does not give Christians a checklist. This isn't, these aren't things to check off and say, yep. I had virtue today. Yep. I had godliness today. Yep. I got it. Awesome. Check. I'm done. No, that's not it. 
These are some things to be. So what do we do with it? And I apologize now for the alliteration. I didn't realize I had done it until I had already done it. And the words are the right words. So they're words I wanted to use. So I'm just apologizing. There you go. All right, here we go. What do we do with that? Number one, experience our Savior. Because these things in verses 5 through 7 are not something to check off. They are ways to know Jesus. Because he is the key to both the gospel and to right behavior. And we can have neither without him and a knowledge of him. So application number two, Christians have a part in our sanctification. Right? We have a role to play. This is not a, a uh, God sets us up and we are robots and then we just, no, 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 no. We have a role to play. Uh, so number two, number two on the personalized, engage our sanctification. And you may want to circle the words our in the personalizations, all three of them, because he is our Savior. And it is our sanctification. It is not just my sanctification. Because I can promise you that I need you relative to my sanctification, and that makes it our sanctification. And in some weird, messed up way, you need me in your sanctification which I still think is just astonishingly, I can't even say the word, astonishingly shocking. So experience our Savior, engage in our sanctification. And in application number three, the gospel results in changed lives. Like, we will be different after an encounter with the gospel. It changes everything. So what do we do with that? We'll examine our salvation to ensure we are in the faith. And, and this is not a, um, look back at verse 10 in your handout. This is not a one-time thing. I, I want to I say something without giving you reason to doubt your salvation for the rest of your life. I just want to show you what the text says. Verse 10, therefore, brethren... Be even more diligent to make. What's the word after make? The word in black text in your handout after make. Present middle infinitive. This is to make right now. It's 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 right now. I think one of the things that scares me is that uh, we can hang on to something that we think happened many years ago and then live like a pagan and have faith in something in the past as opposed to making sure right now that my call and election is sure. Because we have evidence in the New Testament of people that proclaimed that they were Christians and behaved as if they were not. And it will be made known one day. So, so this idea in the personalization of examine our salvation, this is not a, well, I prayed a prayer 20 years ago. Well, that is wonderful. And what does your life look like today? This is one of the things that I absolutely love about communion. The opportunity 
to hold the truth of the Bible up to our face and say, what does the Bible say about where I am right now? Do I have the marks of a believer or do I have the marks of an unbeliever? And this building this into our daily, monthly, yearly engagement of the Scripture is good and healthy for us because it reminds us that there are those among us that are not actually truly saved. And it challenges us to not depend on ourselves, but to depend exclusively on Him who is able to, verse 11, supply us abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord, which is awesome. So there's that too. So, kind of a heavier lesson today, uh, but I want to make sure that we understand that this is not a checklist. So as much as I hate to say it, put the clipboard down. It's not a thing to check off. It's a thing to be. So let's be because that's better. So that's the lesson for today. Uh, if you would uh, take a look at the uh, weekly update that is on your table. Uh, prayer requests are on the right hand side of the page. I'll give you a couple of minutes here to read through and to pray over those. If you have any updates or adjustments, uh, please make those. And then we'll get those updated and sent out uh, uh, to our uh, Facebook group, uh, as well as uh, be able to pray for those as we go through the week. Next week, uh, we're looking at verses 12 through 15, and then your homework is at the bottom of the back page of your handout as well. So don't forget those steps as well. Thank you for coming to Sunday School today, guys. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and to our weekly email. You can do both at OurSundaySchool.com.